Welcome to the Title Run Podcast. I'm your host, David Thay, joined here by my buddies and Dog Nation brothers. Dr. J, tell people what's up. 14. Is it Eric Gilbert's jersey number or our favorite personnel grouping? <laughs> oh my gosh. That did come up on the broadcast. And I was like, you know what? It's actually not ridiculous. <laughs> um, Scott the Status Ass will be joining us later on. And we are, oh, here he comes right now. Scott, tell the people what's up. Ooh, happy G-Day. Um, no hostage situation tonight, Scott? Uh, it's an ongoing investigation, <laughs> as they say. <laughs> All right, so guys, it's late. I know we're a couple of days late, but Scott, I was just telling Jonathan, we have people actually asking when our episode's going to drop on G-Day, so we had to get this done. So, you know, our the title run nation is growing, so I'm excited about that. <laughs> but um, if you're new to the show, please follow us on social media, like subscribing your podcasting platform, all that good stuff. But I really want to jump right into the meat of this, which is the G day game. We're going to overreact, take way too much away from a two hour scrimmage because it is the lifeblood of our college football appetite for the next few months. This is the last impression we will have of Georgia football until we see them again against Oregon. So we're going to absolutely overanalyze this and overreact to everything because we are fans and that is what we do. So, general thoughts on the game. What did you think, Jay? Overall, yeah, you know, it was uh, it was entertaining. Uh, it was it was a fun was. game, which these are not always. Um, and uh, you know, I think true. that was because there there was a lot of passing. Um, and <laughs> uh, and listen, that's by design. I mean, they they yeah. want to see the quarterbacks make decisions. Uh, conversely, they don't want to do a lot of ground and pound. Obviously. Um, you know, for, for the health of the teams. So, um, no, it was fun. It was, uh, it, it was, it was fun to watch. And, um, you know, I did find myself telling somebody it'll be interesting to go through this next season. I can't yet tell, I can guess, but I can't yet tell if my anxiety is going to be higher or lower. Am I going to feel like, Oh, we've got one, you know, in the, in the clubhouse now, like, you know, footloose and fancy free, or is it going to be like, Oh, we're the defending national champions, you know, targets on our backs. Yeah. Um, we'll see. But so far this year's G day, um, I felt kind of loose. I felt relaxed. It was fun yeah. to watch. I didn't I feel like that. there was like too much to worry about. I enjoyed it. You mentioned, um, we threw the ball a lot. I'm doing we the math did. right here. I, I imagine this year's numbers. I haven't looked up the total numbers on passes or yards, are probably pretty similar to last year. They want to throw the ball. They want to score some points keep everybody interested and they don't want to bang on each other and get any more injured than you have to be. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So we had 86 passing attempts. So about 43 per yeah. team. When you think about it that way, yeah, it's a lot more reasonable, but um, like you said, it's always pass heavy. My general takeaway was I hoped the offense would look a little bit better. I knew the defense wouldn't look as good. That's more or less what I saw. The extent to which each one looks good or bad it's hard to tell because you're judging them against each other. For example, last year, Georgia did not run the ball well in the G-Day game. We were all like, duh. <laughs> it's, like, it's the best run defense in the country. So you just don't worry about it. And, you know, like there's certain things like that that you, that you take into account. Like also you're breaking in a lot of new players in your secondary. So the offense looked good throwing the ball. But like, is that because we're really better with the weapons we have? Or was that just a function of a young secondary and young linebackers on defense. So you never know how much of that is, you know, is it, is it um, the chicken or the egg with that stuff? So um, Jay, we'll go ahead and start with the offense first. Um, what did you think overall about the offense? Like when we think, when I talk about the offense, what's the first that comes to your mind from this game regarding the offense? The pass catchers is, is the first thing uh, that, that comes yeah. to my mind. Um, you know, I, I can remember some good plays that the running backs made, but again, we, we didn't do a lot of that for a number of reasons. Um, the quarterbacks, you know, I probably remember more about Beck than I mm -hmm. do about any of them. Um, yep. But, yep. but That's a you know, could, could share some opinions on, on any of them, certainly from what I saw. The thing that stood out to me, you know, most of the day, the thing that I remember when I think back on the game are the pass catchers. And of course, especially Eric Gilbert is grabbing a lot of the headlines just for the day he had 
you know, already being somebody who had a lot of expectations and people wanted to see how he would look, um, hearing all kinds of things about how he had looked in spring practice and that sort of thing. Um, but, um, you know, Arian Smith was back out there and, and yes. had a big catch. I, they, yeah. You know, being somewhat concerned about just how that how that position group is going to perform feeling of course, like in general, we're going to need a lot more from the offense this year than we did last year. Um, you know, wanted to see how they looked. And to me, I thought they looked pretty good. And of course we were missing some. Um, yeah. So, so to me, the pass catchers are, are what really sort of stood out. I think for myself, it was the quarterbacks just because as we talked about a few weeks ago, and I got to watch practice Carson Beck looked very sharp. He looked very good. Now he's going to get second team defense, which is a lot of, um, which was walk-ons and, and true freshmen, like early enroll is a lot of that. So you have to consider that. But just things like the decision-making, the ball placement, stuff that is independent of the competition that he's improved on was super impressive. And a few quick just X's and O's takeaways before Scott jumps in here. Um, I noticed us running a whole lot more shallow crossing routes and mesh routes. Mesh not really been a big thing we've used. But we ran a lot of mesh routes. And they did versions of mesh where they have the two guys mesh and they have a third receiver come and sit in the hole right behind the meshers. That is Air Raid 101 with that concept. If you remember the Mississippi State game from a couple years ago, they ran that on us about a gajillion times. And also tons of vertical throws on the sideline. A lot of those 50-50 balls. And the last thing was obviously, as always, lots of 12 personnel with uh, Brett Seether and Eric Gilbert. And also a ton of condensed formations where they would have a tight receiver on the line of scrimmage and then a slot lined up almost like a wingback. Um, and what they did several times to mix that up is instead of that slot being a tight end, they would make that your slot receiver. So there was times where that was Vlad McConkey or Kiaris Jackson trying to get a matchup on a linebacker. So what was hilarious is one of the times Nolan Smith got matched up on Kiaris Jackson and about knocked his head off. So that was fun to watch. Those are just a couple of the X's and no takes I saw from the offense. I don't know if that's because that's just vanilla stuff they put in or if that's those air raid concepts or things we're going to see more of. So that's kind of my big takeaway. Um, Scott, from the offense, just your initial thoughts on the offense. Well, I'll say that I'm curious as well about whether they're going to actually run a lot more of those air raid concepts yeah. or whether they just thought it would be funny to put it on tape for the spring game. <laughs> exactly. Just exactly. With other people. Um, I do have to say that a third and four in the spring game where you run a mesh and then combine it with a wheel route yeah, from the running dirty. back is a really, really mean play call for a spring game. Like that's the, you'd save that for like, you know, the third quarter when you really need to extend a drive. I'm, I'm a little confused about why you burn that one, but. And the way they did it is nasty on Nolan Smith because. Nolan Smith, where he's lined up in that possession, and this is one of the ones I'm thinking of. Nolan Smith, who actually covered a wheel route on Eric Gilbert like a few plays before that, or two, a few years mm -hmm. before that, they come back. Nolan Smith's eyes get taken inside of the mesh, so he takes one step out to see it, and then the running back goes right past him, and he's, and he's chasing him. So like you said, it's just a dirty concept after having him look at mesh, mesh, mesh. So he's looking inside, inside, inside. And you see mm -hmm. that a guy right past him on the wheel route, and we got a great throw. But yeah, and, and mesh is just that play that is made to just get four yards every time, exactly. right? Exactly. And so you're running that's, that that's on like right. the third and short too. You absolutely have to respect those underneath passes. Mm -hmm. So that you know that's where those air raid teams get in trouble is when they get behind the sticks and it's third and ten a lot, and they have a bunch of four yard passes. That's rough, but. And, yeah. and that's 100% right. People think of air raid. It's not like the Tampa Bay vertical passing game. That's what people think. That's not what it is. It's literally treating your short passes like your run game. So, but before we get too far off track, um, speaking of the backs, uh, lots of targets to the backs. I mean, lots of targets. Lots mm -hmm. of, I mean, a lot, mostly underneath stuff. That's been the case a lot in the past years as it well. Has. Right. Has. Where we've always been light on carries in the spring game, but they want to get, the running backs some work right so they you know dump a lot of short passes in space let them be involved remember nick chubb having like three catches and no carries in one of the gd games <laughs> like mm -hmm. you know that's uh, um what's back with the best y'all i milton i i thought really had some flashes of you know what we've always known we had in him mm -hmm. and hope that we see once he gets featured um i mean there's definitely a part of me that feels like healthy of course 
that that a healthy Kendall Milton this year could be an upgrade over Zamir White. I, oh, I'm yeah. interested to know oh, yeah. if that feels like a hot take or, or if y'all no. basically expect that from him. 100% um, agree. I, I think I kind of do. 100% agree. Yeah. I, I think I would say McIntosh looked better if McIntosh hadn't dropped a touchdown pass. <laughs> True. Yeah. Which True. is actually really one of my biggest takeaways from the offense was they dropped at least six touchdown passes. Yeah, that's, that's true. not good. That's a lot of drop that's touchdown true. passes. Cause I know Cedar had one. I know Macintosh had one. I know Arian Smith had one. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember all the, I mean, there were so many, I can't remember all the drop. There touchdowns. was a lot. I mean, there were, there was a lot. I mean, that's a hundred percent. Right. And they made a lot of great plays too, but like some of those that they dropped, you said like the one that, that Kenny McIntosh dropped was, I mean, that's as easy as a walk-in touchdown as you're going to get. I mean, mm-hmm. so. And, and which, I mean, which running back looked the best? Like, Dajan Edwards is not the answer to that question. But he did but look he but he's, good. But he's like maybe the answer to the question. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> like, a good point, Jay. Yeah. I mean, I, I wrote down in my notes. Yeah, oh, you saw my notes, right? Yeah, you said he's <laughs> the worst athlete we've had at running back in a long time that we, that we actually play. But he continues to impress. And like Dejan Edwards is that guy that he, as soon as he gets in garbage time, the other team's like, oh, they put in a guy that's not a five-star four-star running back, and he drops like 50 yards on you in one quarter because he just he's good. He's just a good football player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's probably the best four-string running back in the country. And I still think he should transfer and go play at Vanderbilt or South Carolina or somewhere else where he can get those totes because he can't get them here once Branson Robinson arrives. Hey, you know, honestly, though, I would not be surprised if he's – third string this season and stays ahead of both the freshmen. I mean, you're right. I mean, Kirby values knowing what to do with consistency, two things that freshmen usually don't display. And you know exactly what you're getting with Edwards. But like you said, Jonathan, in all seriousness, he ran the ball the best out of all the backs. I mean, center pull up the stats. He had, where is this? Where is it? Oh, where's rushing? Uh, Eight carries, 29 yards, but it felt like he ran the ball better than that because he had two touchdowns. Yeah. So did. I don't know. None I mean, the, the best running back was Vandegrift. Yeah, I <laughs> do. <laughs> seriously. By the way, this is an aside, totally an aside before. And this will actually be, this will be what we said with the quarterbacks. Um, TV does not do justice to how jacked Brock Vandegrift is. And I know he looks beefy on TV. I'm telling you guys, I watched that dude from about 20 feet away. He is rocked up. It's just good, like, good grace is alive. Um, so transition to the quarterbacks. Are we all like sold on how good Carson Beck looks? Do we all agree on that? Like he looks like a different player. Well, I, I think last year about this time, you know, give or take a day <laughs> we had written down. I, cause I pulled up our last year's notes cause I wanted to see Carson Beck has a live arm. The ball explodes out of his hand with ease. He had some misses, but overall was efficient. That's like a that's wow. kind of yeah, the exact same summary. So when I looked back at those notes, I thought, you know, maybe he's not that different of a player. Maybe he's still kind of the same guy. He's a year older, he's probably a little bit better than he was this time a year ago. Um, but maybe there hasn't been some big fundamental change the way that uh spring hype stories like to tell things, right? Yeah. I think for me it was just the ball placement decision making, like the ball was out so quickly and mm-hmm. in the right spots. Those are the two big things I saw. Jay, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I I, I think he looked the best of, of all the quarterbacks probably. Um, wasn't flawless, but probably had the smallest number of really questionable decisions <laughs> um, for what that's worth. And and probably had, I don't know, I mean, Stetson had – some good throws. I mean, oh, yeah, the, the best throws of the day were also some of those belong to Stetson. Yeah. Um, but uh, no, he, he still looks like a, like an absolute legitimate contender. Mm-hmm. Um, is there actually a lane for him to get to the starting job? I mean, it, it kind of doesn't feel like it right now, but just to watch them play uh, just sort of blind taste test. I mean, his, his ball, his decisions. I mean, they, they looked the best on Saturday, I think. Uh, Kirby says there is not a path for him to play right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he squashed yeah. all that. Yeah. And, well, and the other thing too, right, is the things that G-Day and spring games don't show is one, they don't highlight the like running aspect of the quarterback in That's general, true. right? Very true. So the, you know, the little bit of a bonus you get from Stetson doesn't show up on G-Day. Uh, 
the really big bonus you get from Vandegrift on that part yes. doesn't show up on GE Day. And then things can be pretty vanilla, right? So some of the actual mental processing, you know, on the field may not be exactly like a regular game scenario, even though at first glance, it looks pretty similar. And you, you said this already, you said this already, David, too, but like Beck was against the second team defense. Yeah. And while ordinarily, and maybe never would you want to make too much of that. Um, the second team defense right now, especially the second team uh-huh. secondary. Um, the babies. It's babies. Yeah, they, they really are. I mean, I, it's there, there could be a, a big difference there. And look at some of like the second team wide receivers you had. Yeah, they actually had some pretty good <laughs> second team. Pretty like, good receivers, yep. yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Jackson so, Deeks, yeah. And Oscar Delp, like – like that's who you're throwing in the second team, Scott. You had a, you had one more thought before we before we transition over to the OL and the pass catchers. Um, I mean, the only other real thing is that uh, the the freshman quarterback looked like a freshman for sure. Yeah, and, and Vandegrift definitely ran hot and cold. His uh, his numbers would have been better if he hadn't had like two or three touchdowns yeah, he, dropped and yeah, consecutive passes. Passes dropped, yeah. Um, but Vandegrift to me was hot and cold and still less hot and cold than he was last year where he was literally in the same series. It'd be like, you, you talked about this last year, having the freshman special where like drops a snap, makes a bad throw. Then it makes a scramble for first down, then throws a laser and throws a ball 10 feet over guy's head. Like, I didn't mm. feel like it was like within his series, it'd be like one bad play. Like, okay. So in coaching, we always talk about the good play to bad play ratio. I feel like his has gone from like one good play to three bad plays to like, six bad plays to four six good plays to four bad plays it's like that ratio is getting smaller and that's really what you're talking about with someone like Stetson Bennett where Stetson's good play to bad play ratio is about eight to two but the two are like horrific need we go any further than the Alabama game he takes that horrible sack in the first drive makes that horrible almost fumble quasi fumble late in the game but in between there's a lot of good and I think that's kind of what he was like Stetson made two or three throws that I was like like he threw a corner route to uh, Kyrus Jackson. That was like, that's an NFL throw. Yeah, he had he had another throw down the seam, at least one that was something we saw a number of times last year. That I think it was the Dell, maybe. Yeah, where or Kyrus Jackson, you know, Kyrus Jackson also. Right you could have like photoshopped an end. NFL quarterback in there and been like, yeah, that looks like an NFL throw. We're just like surprised to see little little Stetson just occasionally pop one of those out from nowhere right before he just hands the ball to the other team the next play sometimes. It can be a little maddening. And then he throws yeah. the fourth quarter. That was one of those. Oh, there is a Stetson we know. <laughs> and then yeah. what, what does he do? Then he turns around and takes him right down the field for the game-winning field goal. Like, that's exactly yeah. right. I was, that's Stetson what I was about special. to say, David. Like, his – the other thing is just sort of, you know, anecdotal about him, I guess, is, you know, his demeanor. I mean, he'll throw one of those terrible picks – and he kind of shrugs it off, yeah. you know, and, but see, he does the same thing. Like he'll throw a perfect 60 yard dime for a touchdown in a huge game. And maybe you'll get a little fist pump from him or something, but he just, he's like never too high and never too low. And sometimes you're grateful for that. And sometimes you're not. <laughs> sometimes you're like, take it a little bit more seriously for us, buddy. Like, you know, um, but then when you need him to bounce back, he does. Yeah. I, I appreciate how well he back bounces back mm-hmm. for some of that adversity. Right. I just wish that, uh, he had a little bit less of the shooting yourself in your own foot type of adversity because exactly. you don't have to have that kind of adversity <laughs> in life. There's some things you can control, and that's, that's one of right. them. He can't control being anyway. 5'11", but he can control that. And the thing is, this tells you, like, it gives you more insight into why he's Kirby's guy. Stetson Bennett, you can tell, is the kind of guy that you could dog cuss. He's going to walk over under his breath, say, F this, I'm going to go show the coach. And he's going to go back out and make a play. Like, he's got that. Mm-hmm. You heard him say in the National Championship game, I wasn't, gonna, I wasn't about to be the reason we lost. Like, He's like, no, I'm, not, I'm about to go. I'm about to go show these people. Like, I'm not about to lose this game for us. And mm-hmm. so you have to respect that. Um, wrapping up offense, don't have a lot to contribute about the OL. They pass blocked almost the entire game when they tried to run the ball. We weren't very effective because when we get to our defense, we're going to talk about how our front is still like ridiculously stout. <laughs> um, and again, you want to watch them pass block. It was mostly good. Most of the sacks weren't real sacks in a game. There was a few times it broke down, um, but not really a whole lot to add there other than you had trust in. Willock starting at the two guard spots. That's really the only takeaway that I saw. Um, y'all have anything to add, guys? I just uh, going into the summer. I mean, both guard spots are still. There's a lot of TBD there. I mean, yep. I mm-hmm. trust 
Willock, Erickson, theoretically now Mims, and then Tate Ratledge. I mean, all five of those probably have a scenario where they feel like they could win a guard job. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, I mean, if Ratledge is healthy. Camp. If Ratledge is healthy, he has a job. I think. Oh so, yeah, too. yeah, yeah. I yeah. Yep. Yep. It really comes down to trust. I, I don't think trust is secure at all. Um, or Willock, whichever one they like better. Now, circling back around to the pass catchers, do we agree that our best pass catchers are tight ends? <laughs> we may not agree on that. We may not agree on that. I don't know. No, no I, I, I was going to say uh, yes, figuratively, and yes, literally. <laughs> figuratively, yes, they're the most talented pass catchers, mm. and maybe also they're the best actual pass catchers. Pass catchers. Um, <laughs> a, a Donnie Mitchell, <laughs> uh, for, for all of his really crisp route running, and promising athleticism, he's kind of having a little trouble holding on to the ball lately. Yeah. And, well, and he did I, that last year too during the season yes. and mm-hmm. a bit in the spring game. So that he's really, really good. You just would like him to be a tad more consistent. Yep. Scott, I the love ball. the comp that you gave. Like you said, he's the player we thought Matt Landers would be. Like that is the most accurate description of him imaginable. I think like – by the end of this year, by the time he's a junior, what he's going to like, and you're going to like this one, J.J. Holloman. I think that's what he is. Mm-hmm. Like, matchup, true X receiver, true outside big receiver, can beat press man, make contested catches. Uh, probably a better route runner, a little bit more technically sound than Holloman, because Holloman came in as basically a freak athlete with great hands, which, you know, that's. but I think that's what he's going to look like when he's a finished product. So he ain't A.J. Green, he ain't Pickens. We said that. That's not what he is but he could be a tick below that at the college level and be a guy that's just a really reliable X receiver. Because we have to remember this guy's a true sophomore. He's got, he's, he's still a pup. I mean, he's got a lot of growing to do. Um, also Dominic Blaylock. I, I thought Dom looked good. I yeah. thought a lot of the wide receivers, Kyrus, uh, AD Mitchell and Dom yeah. all looked fast, like faster than before. Right. It, I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Curious. It was like, Oh, he looks not hurt. He's running. Yes, exactly. And, um, and AD Mitchell had one time where he was on like the little drag route or something. And then a little, little hesitation and kind of left the pool in the dust on a third down. Um, it was like, Oh, I didn't remember seeing that little extra half gear in the past and Dom being healthy and looking and moving well and making some contested catches. Yeah. if he's back, it, you can have a very, very good deep wide receiver room this year. You probably don't have – you certainly don't have a lot of guys that are just clear first-round picks. No. You know, you probably don't even have, don't have one. a first-round no, pick. You, I don't think you so You could. Some of these younger guys, you know, it's possible the talent is there, right? But probably not. Well, you might just have a whole bunch of guys that are like future NFL players as like I agree with that. Round picks. And so the other thing too is like with Dominic Blaylock, I essentially see him being as, as him being like the best version of Lad McConkey. Like a little bit bigger. Don't necessarily think he's faster, but really good hands. I just I see him being like the best possible version of Lad McConkey. And those two as Z Z slash slot receivers rotating in your first group, I think are really good. So, anyways, we spent a lot of time on the offense. Let's get over to the defense. Big picture, my first takeaway, and maybe this this is just me, and I'm going to be pretty negative here, so I'm usually not the negative one, but missed tackles. My goodness, the tackling I thought was horrible. There's Coach Buffet. There's the coach. (laughs) I thought the tackling was so sketchy. Um, Uh, My my biggest takeaway was – just that I was kind of worried that a team as a whole, and especially the defense, that we would look like, you know, some second-class citizens and not look <laughs> big and fast and athletic. I, I thought we still looked big and, and fast and athletic. Sure, not as big and fast as athletic as last year because you don't have an athletic replacement for Jordan Davis or for Trayvon Walker. Or Dean right? Tindall, yeah. You know, yeah, you don't quite have that. Now, granted – I think some of the athletes at linebacker actually <laughs> still pretty freaky because, well, we'll get to the linebackers. But yeah. anyway, just, you know, sort of just the eye test of are these guys big and long and athletic? I was a little nervous that I was going to be disappointed, and I wasn't. So that was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, to me, um, I would say especially up front, uh, 
nobody stood out to me except Nolan Smith, uh, just in terms of, um, you know, beating blocks. Um, and so, uh, you know, across the defensive line, I, yeah, I, I feel like everybody looked capable as maybe the word I would use um, for, for G-Day. Um, but again, just as Scott was saying, I mean, you had to expect that. I, yeah. You're just, you're not yeah, replacing, um, you know, Jordan Davis, Trayvon Walker, Devontae Wyatt. Um, you're also probably not, get, I mean, you're not going to get like, just ferocious Jalen Carter in in the spring scrimmage. I mean, he, he's going to be what he is uh, when he needs to be in the fall. Um, so uh, just sort of assuming you're going to get top level from him, looking for who the other guys are. Um, uh, there's there there were a few uh, that that maybe you know some of the young guys that you're hoping take the next step forward. Um, maybe Ingram Dawkins, uh, you know, had a couple of moments, um, but um, but maybe maybe somewhat pedestrian is, is the word I might use. I, I actually thought that we had a number of guys on the defensive line that really flashed and made some plays. Um, it, maybe that's because uh, people are getting to pin their ears back and just sort of only rush the passer. Yeah. But I thought, I mean, Jalen Carter's Jalen Carter. So that, you know, just, you know, put that in and pin. Yeah. Um, but I thought that, Stackhouse and Brinson and Tyrion uh, Ingram Dawkins all had some big flashes and made some plays and got in the backfield and were were pretty athletic. And and truthfully, Jay, I, I was noticing this as I watched the game myself. Who pops to you is also a function of what you're watching. So like there was times I was watching the D line and I'm like I'm like oh wait who who just got beat in the secondary and then I like watch the secondary and I'm like wait a minute who just got that sack and so especially with the way they're rotating. I feel like it's so easy to miss it. And I wrote down in my notes and y'all can see him, but like, I don't know who number 93 is, but he's good. <laughs> yeah. Like, Oh, that's a good like, yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know who that kid is, but that kid's good. And so, um, but like, I, but and the other thing, Jay, along with what you're saying is like, I feel like everybody had one or two plays. When you say popped, it was like, okay, you had your one or two plays and I didn't notice you again. So like, it's not like when we watched last year, it was like, Oh, I noticed Jordan Davis once every series. It wasn't like that, but like, yeah, I think, I, uh, last but year I agree. doesn't happen often. Yeah, but I agree with Scott. Like, it was like, oh, well, it's a different guy making the play, but there's a lot of plays being made. So, overall, I think we can all say, like, this is like the one area of our team that I'm not worried about. Like, and we haven't yeah. even seen the pups. We haven't, we haven't seen Barry Alexander or Michael Williams. Like, holy crap. Right. And, and Michael Williams got some play. And I think he's a guy that is good enough and polished enough and an early enrollee where he's going to get some real play time as a true freshman. Um, But, you know, Carter is a junior. Ingram Dawkins is a sophomore. I think Brinson is a junior. And I think Stackhouse is a junior. Junior. Yeah. So to me, what I saw was like, okay, our top four down linemen, big body guys, three juniors and a sophomore, one's a clear top 10 pick and the other three look like NFL guys. So it, sure, that's a drop off from last year's rotation. Exactly. Of four down linemen that are monster freak first round picks, even yeah. though you only run three down linemen. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I, I get it. But yeah, you know, still pretty promising. And I don't think people realize that Stackhouse and Brenton played a lot last year. They played a lot. They played a lot. I mean, a lot of snaps. Now it was rotational, but like they played a lot. I mean, and moving back as we go to outside linebacker. I told y'all Nolan Smith looked like a war daddy when I saw him. Boy, if I think yeah. everybody saw what I saw Saturday. By the way, can they stop listing him at 235? That dude is at least 255. Like, that 235 weight limit weight is from, like, his freshman year. That dude is a monster. And, like – Yeah, it, it sounds, too, like like he really might be um, it, probably the new leader on the defense. And not that question. he Not that he wasn't a leader last year. He was – it sounds it sounds to me just from things people are saying. I think he's the new like calls the team meeting. Um, that's that's him this year. I think he's the sheriff. Nakobe was the sheriff last year. They've all said that. Yep. No one's a sheriff, and I can testify to that from what I saw in practice. And yep. like in like three series, you had him just trying to lobotomize uh, Kiris Jackson when he was lined up in the wing. And then he covers Eric Gilbert on a wheel route like five plays later. And then finally they get him with Kendall Milton off that mesh wheel, which was kind of dirty to do him like that. Didn't see Robert. Yeah, that, B- that was pretty dirty. 
didn't see Robert Beal. He practiced in the spring because I saw him at practice, but he must he clearly must be injured. I don't know if that was reported, but I did not see him at all. It was a whole lot of Chaz Chamless. And mm-hmm. Scott, this is this is where you and I had kind of different takes on Chaz Chamless, so we can discuss that. Uh, it, well, it, honestly, we're actually kind of really on the same page. He's one of those dudes that it, he looks small on TV. He does, and he doesn't. That. He doesn't really look like he has the like elite first step of what you would hope coming off the edge, right? Like he doesn't have the first step that you're going to get out of Nolan Smith or Adam Anderson or those guys. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. (laughs) But he is absolutely, he's just one of those dudes that, you know, lifts weights for fun and plays hard. Yes, he does. And so he is explosive when he gets his hands on somebody, right? And he plays explosive with power. He doesn't necessarily like, if you have him out there just running drills in space, like dropping and covering guys, he's going to look a little wonky. But if the play's in front of him and he's just aggressive going downhill, yeah, he, I mean, he just – he stands out because he's not as tall and as long as we're used no. to at the edge. He's, and he's white. So, <clears throat> yeah. He's 6'2". I guess he was too forward and looked it up. He's 250, and he's all that. I'm just telling you, like, he's the oh, one where yeah. TV does not do justice to how rocked up he is. But he is the shortest guy we've had to play that position that I can remember in the Kirby era. It's like 6'3 minimum to play out there. And yeah, and I'm not sure if he's actually 6'2". He, I'll, Which, I'll tell you, he's 6'2". He's okay. just having stood next to him. He doesn't look it. He is a real 6'2". Yeah. But it's, it's, the, it's the height and length that make him look small. Yeah. Like I know even going back to recruiting and stuff, like recruiting commitment video kind of deal, whatever, like you could just see him and you're like, wow, this guy is big. It's just that because he's not as tall as we're used to, you know, all these like six four, six five edge guys, he looks small, but he gets the job done. Like he played a lot on special teams as a true freshman. Yeah. Because they clearly value him as a football player. I'll be but, honest though, I thought he was always going to be an inside backer because he looks nothing like what we put out there in the outside. He just does it. And that's so I was shocked to see him playing out there at the outside backer. What what I've always expected when he's one of those guys like he was like a three star recruit, which is not normally what we take, right? So anytime we get a guy that's a three star, the the fans and message board people explode and argue about it. Is he really only a three star? Because he yeah, I think so. Maybe he ended up squeaking into like the last four star on earth territory or something. Just to let you know though, like here around the state, every everybody knew Chas Chambliss was. So that's just interesting to hear. That's just interesting to hear. But continue. Exactly. And that's because the recruiting rankings are almost more trying to project NFL draft kind of mm. rankings, right? So if he is short and runs a four seven, it's pretty hard to get drafted really high as right. an edge guy. But, but anyway, I always kind of expected that he would be a guy that would at minimum get snaps because he's going to play hard and he's going to play physical and he is going to push some people around at the line of scrimmage and set the edge. If he never gets a sack in his entire career, which I think he probably already has, but if he never got a sack in his entire career, he would still play because they want somebody that's going to play hard, do their job, and set the edge like a maniac. Right? All the white guy stereotypes for edge players. <laughs> it's By not way, my fault. That's what he's good high, at. High, high motor on that guy, number thirty. Real coach Man, on the coach field. of the field. <laughs> By the way, uh, okay, we're running out of time here. But uh, one of the things I want to add is I do not like him in a six technique. Bump him out to wide nine and let him crush the edge. I don't like him in a six technique with his hand on the ground. I just don't think that's what he's best at. Yep, um, I agree. Inside backers, uh, it was a mixed bag. Tresman looked good at times. I, and I wrote this in my notes because I told you I was going to be super critical, which is unlike me, but I'm the really critical one. I thought the inside backers were so up and down in coverage. Like, mm-hmm. I thought their recognition in the run game was a little bit slow. Now, once they got there, boy, they bring it once they get there. Those two guys are built to thump. And they do run well. But, like, after watching Quay Walker and Channing Tindall, everybody looks slow, like an inside backer. And it, I, I just – I'm ruined by that because after watching those guys, it's like, oh, they're probably as fast as Henry Toa Toa, who's probably going to be an all-SEC linebacker. But I think he's slow compared to Channing Tindall and, and uh, Quay Walker. So yeah, like, and and Nakobe played so fast. And yes. Oh my gosh. Dumas Johnson eventually will get closer to that Nakobe yeah. Dean territory. Not saying he's going to be that good, but he'll be a guy that's not a speed guy, but is a very smart player. Processes fast and plays quickly, despite not 
being like a actual elite burner. Yeah. Our head yeah, coach went, go ahead, John. Yeah. Go I mean, John. I, pr- yeah. Practice report buzz watch. I mean, uh, Dumas Johnson was absolutely top of the list. I mean, he was a guy that no matter who you talk to, if it was message board types, if it was beat writers, um, if it was, you know, players given quotes, I mean, he, he, he was the one um, that just almost everybody had good things to say about even going back to last season when there was no chance of him really playing at all. Um, but then especially this year um, he he's not ready to be the leader on the defense. And obviously mm-hmm. We'll learn a lot on the field this year, but I mean, he's, he's the guy that, that everybody talked about as, as really improving. Now, Munden and Sori are really the ones with probably, probably the most supreme gifts yeah, of, sorry. Of, of, the, of the group. I mean, not, not including true freshmen. Um, and so those are the two that, you know, you, you really would like to see it take a step. And and I, I think Munden was injured maybe, but um, I mean, Dumas Johnson, everybody talked about him all spring. And Jalen Walker, as a true freshman, is a true freshman. Mm-hmm. Wow. He looked like okay. a guy that by the time he is a sophomore or junior, it's going to be a killer. I think so. Is he, was he number 11? Yes. Yeah. That guy is 18 years old. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And just in case you were worried that he's all athlete or whatever, he's one of those guys that has a, a good reputation as a student. And mm. I think his dad's a football coach. So he's like a coach's son. Yeah. Okay. So if you look like that and you're a coach's son and like middle linebacker, you're probably just, good at football. Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. And I, I'll say this about the coverage stuff. Cause I know I'm being said, I'm being the negative Nancy, but um, I, I saw Trezor Marshall lose Kyrus Jackson. One of the box calls, Georgia plays their box call, which is when there's a bunch trip set. Um, where the three receivers are stacked close together, they'll play four defenders over that bunch set. And the inside linebacker is responsible for shallow crossers. He steps outside, lets the shallow cross come across the field to Kyrus Jackson, and he goes for like 40 yards. And it's like, oh, dude, you can't do that. And uh, JDJ got picked to the goal line on a Kenny, on the ball Kenny Mack dropped. He gets outside, the receiver runs his rubber right, right into him and he lets Kenny Mack come under him for a wide open pass. And those are things that they'll get better at. I thought in general, though, my general takeaway was they're actually pretty good in zone. I feel like they make good zone drops. Playing bunch trip sets is hard at every level for everybody. But when they're making their straight curl flat drops, they're really good. When I was at practice, JDJ got a tipped ball for interception. I think Tresman tipped one for a pick yesterday. Or did he get the pick? He, he got a pick. Got and, the pick, yeah. And I think dropped another pick so they're not gonna be able to match routes the way some of these guys could in the past individually like i mean shoot i mean they're not gonna be able to run with a four or five wide wide receiver running back like uh you know channing tindall did but again who 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 what linebackers can do that anyway all right yeah your guys your guys that can run run are like smile munden and like maybe jalen walker those are your guys but you know one true freshman one missed a lot of this scott it's really good to hear your perspective on some of these young guys because y'all know who I am. If I haven't seen the kid in person, I don't follow their recruiting. Y'all know who I am. I, I like to evaluate him once I see him on campus or on the field. So it's really good to hear you and Jay's takes on who the athletes are. And are you telling me that Jalen Walker's a freshman? Good heavens. Like, <laughs> those are the guys we have coming? Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah, that, that's encouraging. Um, moving back to – a position group that's much less settled. Uh, secondary, where we started Dan Jackson, Christopher Smith. And then this was a surprise. They bumped William Poole out the corner, started mm-hmm. Javon Bullard at star, and, of course, Keely Ringo at CB1. Now, that's a surprise if you don't follow our podcast where I predicted in the offseason and in the spring that William Poole would bump outside and not stay at star. So I'm patting myself on the back right now. Yeah, to the old own horn a little yeah. bit there. Uh, I will say that 26, Kennedy, who I had no clue who that was, apparently is a walk-on cornerback at the University walk-on. of Georgia. News to me. Uh, he didn't look like a walk-on. I'm, I'm not, not saying he looked amazing, but he looked like an actual football player, that's for sure. So I assumed he was a young scholarship player. He's not like one of those running backs they put in when, you know, Gunnar Stockton's handing the ball off, and you're like, that guy's a walk-on. <laughs> yeah, but didn't you know Kirby can't develop? They only recruit. That's what it yeah. is. Yeah. Well, I, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think I heard somebody say, maybe it was on another pod, 
that I think maybe Malachi Starks um, maybe led the black team in tackles. And so Starks and the other freshman safety, they were one, two or two, one Ja'Cory Thomas. Number 20 I think, on tackles. Yeah. And well, and I heard, I heard Everett as well was maybe whichever team he was on, maybe he was like second in yeah, tackles. He had five or six tackles himself. Yeah. I'm surprised um, at what he tackled. Yeah. He looks good. Can we go ahead and say he looks good? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, honestly, he got beat on the first play by Arian Smith. And my first thought was he didn't get beat by that much. He's pretty good. Right. Exactly. Because it's just a straight up sprint by Arian Smith. He's actually still on the screen. He must be really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And he tackled him. Mm-hmm. He tackled him. But um, yeah, like going through this, Malachi Starks also played some safety. Um, played start with second group and then bumped back and played some safety, which I thought was interesting that they're already cross-training him. So I thought that was really interesting that he's already been cross-trained. I don't really know what that means. And then David Daniel split some first-team reps with uh, Dan Jackson at safety. And I think this is my prediction. You're going to continue to see those two split time at safety. And when Tyke Smith is full go, he's going to take Javon Boyd's spot at star, which is what I predicted all offseason. I think that's how it's going to work out. I think that gives you your best five defensive backs on the field because William Poole is one of your best five defensive backs, and Tyke Smith is one of your best five defensive backs. Therefore, if Tyke Smith is playing pool, is, is, therefore, if Tyke Smith is playing star, you've got to find a spot for William Poole. So I, I just I, I'm hoping that's how it plays out because I think that gives you the best collection of players on the field. And Poole well, was good at outside corner, not perfect, pretty good. Good, but not great. Yeah. I mean, not to uh not to put too much into portal watch, but I mean the conventional wisdom seems to be if we were to take in a transfer or two. Um, the, the priority would probably be Corner. safety slash star type mm. um, and, and maybe an edge defender. Uh, some would tell you they're looking for a receiver as well. I'm sure if the right guy was available, they yeah. would, but I'm, I'm, I'm not so sure that they aren't okay with the receivers they've got. I guess we'll see, but um, some would tell you that they are, that they are seeking a safety in the portal. Uh, time will tell. And I could see that, but the other thing too is we're still like, now that Amarius Mims came back, we're at 90 scholarships again. Yep. I mean, you know, we're going to have some transfers after, you know, school season, school, but well, actually in the next two weeks, because May 1st, is the last day to transfer to be eligible. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about, we have to lose six just to pick up one. That's, I just don't know. Yeah. That, you know, there's part of me that thinks they just might not be interested in taking transfer guys this year, unless that person is an instant impact. like an instant impact, like, first round pick level type player just because I mean one coaches don't like to admit it but they might not publicly but inside the building might admit that it's probably not a national title year yeah they might admit that privately and they might think okay uh, are we going to bring in a safety uh, and then have Daniel or somebody transfer or Starks mm-hmm. or somebody transfer. Mm-hmm. Why do that? Why not let the young guys who are pretty good earn their playing time and, you know, earn their twelve stripes. and two. <laughs> yeah. And, and be mm-hmm. ready for next year. So mm-hmm. it's just speculation for sure, but that wouldn't surprise me. Um, David as the resident uh, defensive back expert. What do you think the chances are, are, you know, how much playing time, Will Dalen Everett get? Does he have a chance to start as the season goes on? And thoughts on Nylon Green, who on the one really bad Don Blaylock trick play uh, showed off his Dude. ball skills. Like he's just a natural ball skill guy. If you watch his stuff from like high school, it's like, oh yeah, this is his whole highlight film is, you know, high pointing the ball and looking natural. Um, I haven't gotten to go back and watch enough of G day to go like look at you know how's his footwork is he getting beat off the line like how's he impressed I haven't seen that but I know as a defensive back guy your your thoughts on Everett and Green so I got to see a good bit of both of them at, at um the practice I went to I, Green was on was on my side of field a lot he's still pretty raw I actually thought watching his high school film because I saw a decent amount of him because we had some overlapping teams on our schedule. I thought he was actually a little bit more polished when I saw him in person. And that doesn't mean that he's not good, but he was a little bit more raw than I thought. And Everett was a good bit more polished than I, than I thought after initially seeing his film. Cause his film, it wasn't extensive, but you could tell he was a good athlete. So my opinion of them kind of switched. Nylon green though, 
they list him at six one. I swear that dude's six five. He is, he is long. So yeah. long. He's he plays like six three, six four for sure. He really does. Feels like he's fast, man, too. So I I think in shoot, I mean, you're gonna have him. Keely Ringo's only a redshirt sophomore. I guess Keely Ringo probably be gone for this year. Yeah, yeah. So it, the, it just means in 23, you got Green and Everett. And starting. that's what I think. And I think, dude, that's gonna be a heck of a pair. I think Everett is gonna be the first corner called on in mop up time. Well, and I maybe I'm remembering this wrong. I, I feel like David, you maybe even came back from those practices asking us about Kamari Lasseter. Like we were confused about his jersey mm-hmm. number. Yeah. Didn't see him at all. He he was out was with an injury. Was it, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Kamari Lasseter. Now I'll tell you what, he looked good. Like he's not, I don't think he's quite the athlete that Nyland Green or Everett are. And I think no. he's a great athlete, but he is probably a little bit further along. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. but like, man, Green's got a way higher ceiling than Kamari Lasseter. And I think Kamari yeah. Lasseter is a really good football player, but I would think that if if Kamar Lasseter is hurt, it's going to be Green first. But I would think I'd honestly be surprised if he got more than mop up playing time. That's just my opinion, especially mm-hmm. if Poole is going to stay at the outside corner spot because I think it's going to be Poole, Lasseter, and Ringo as your three. And and Lasseter did not Lasseter, excuse me. Poole did some good stuff. He covered several vertical routes. He did let um, the only really bad play that I saw to him. He did let uh, Donnie Mitchell get behind him one time. He still broke up the pass on a bad throw, but. I was pleased with him, and my thought was this. Do I think William Poole is a great outside corner? No, but is he better than Darren Kendrick? At worst, he's comparable. At worst, and he's a better athlete. And we want an Addy with him. So can he, be, can he be Darren Kendrick good? I think the answer is easily yes, but you have to be – if that's going to work, you have to be good at star. And that's the big, big question mark here is how good are we at star that nickel spot? So I, yeah. I think honestly, just with the amount of different bodies we have that could be playing at star, none of whom are freshmen, mm. that you'll end up with somebody pretty yeah. solid there. Somebody's going to figure it out. So we've gone through everything. Let's talk about special teams. There was a kicker and punter, uh, hot pod. You're welcome. Out of- <laughs> Thank you for that tidbit scott hot pod made three out of four field goals including the game winner that was the big takeaway he was fine we don't really care because these kicks don't matter but uh also one thing i do want to one more thing i want to point out about special teams i don't know if y'all noticed this just see how many of the starters i mean dudes were on the coverage teams Mm -hmm. and you saw them specifically work on their sideline kickoff return and finally did what i've always suggested is put the fastest guys back there so they put aaron smith back there to run back kickoff Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, and, and they're rotating. Kenny, Kenny McIntosh back, was back there, too, of course. He always looks good. Yeah. You, you can put a clock on me if you want, 20 seconds to talk about the kickers. Uh, it, was, it was actually Zirkel who kicked the game winner. Was that um, really? Thank you for correcting me. And, and some people have looked into that or maybe read into that is, is the phrase I'm looking for. Um, and his kicks looked really good. Um, uh-huh. c- could he unseat hot pot? I don't know. A little, a little bit of a uh, little bit of juice for the guy they're calling Jay-Z um, <laughs> oh in, the, uh, in the kicker's room. So we'll see. These nicknames are terrible. We got to stop. Okay, guys. So as we wrap this up, general takeaways, Scott, will you go first this time? Uh, I'm going to use my general takeaway time to highlight last year's G-Day coverage as a reminder of why you should tune in. Because last year, again, like I said, I checked the notes. Our guys that stood out in last year's G-Day game, this is the, the entire list. Channing Tindall, A.D. Mitchell, Lewis Seen, Darnell Washington, Brock Bowers, Keely Ringo. Wow. Pretty That's good pretty hit spot rate. On. Pretty good That's hit rate. pretty spot on. I love that we put Brock Bowers, made some good catches, and looked good. But we're like, now that seems hilarious to look at, considering what we know now about him. And then A.D. Mitchell catches, you know, the game-winning pass in the National Championship game. So, yeah. Jay, what about you? Yeah, you know, I mean, I felt like A. Reek Gilbert was the was the standout. Yeah. I mean, in general, the defense is going to take a step back. The offense would have to take a step forward, uh, at least one step forward, <laughs> to, to sort of account for that. Um, and we'll see. Uh, the next few weeks is all about portal watch. Um, and then it's the dog days. Uh, but um, – you know, a, a lot still to unfold in terms of the roster. And, and I think my biggest takeaway is this is exactly what we thought. We, this is exactly what we thought we'd see. 
the three of us all said this after the season or during the season, even we might be better on offense next year. We're going to be worse on defense, but worse means, oh, we're going to allow 14 points a game and, or 16 points a game instead of 10. Look at our schedule. and What great mm-hmm. offenses do we play? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're going to go through our season. We're going to give up 35, 38 points to Alabama, and we're going to hold everybody else under 24. I mean, I, maybe not South Carolina because, you know, but, like, that's what, that's what you expect, and our offense is probably going to average 39 points a game. Um, I'm going to go on record and say that I am going to probably – predict us as 11-1 regular season for the Again. sixth straight year. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just what it is. Yeah. That sometimes everything can go wrong and you lose two games. Sometimes everything yeah. goes right and you lose no games. But I think dog fans need to set realistic expectations for this year. Like we were talking about, Jay, like, am I going to be like, oh, it's okay, we got one. We'll be back in 2023 to fight with Alabama, who's going to be absolutely loaded this year and probably going to beat our brains in the SEC championship, let's be honest. Or are we still going to be pensive and upset that we're not better? Like, I I, I don't know how we're going to feel. But I do think tempered expectations, we are probably not going to run through the SEC schedule winning almost every game by double digits. Yeah, they're going to be second halves that count. Yeah. Like Stetson Bennett will throw second half passes. Yeah, I'm I'm certainly not aiming for a national championship this year. I, I am aiming to stay on top in the East. Amen. I mean, I, if, if we're if we're somewhat down, comparatively speaking, um, I don't I don't want I don't want Florida or Tennessee to start feeling like you know that there's a lane. So I yeah. I, I do those divisional games to me are going to be kind of the thing I'm really focusing on. I would love to run our division again. I would love to. Yeah. All right, guys. This is uh, going to be our last Georgia football talk for a while until we find something else to talk about. Usually it involves a list or something silly like that. But it's late. It is time for bed for yours truly as we were doing this on Monday night, trying to get it out to the masses. So, gentlemen from Tennessee and California, Jay, tell the people adios. Go dogs. And Scott, tell the people adios. Go dogs. This has been Dave Bethay, Scott, the status asset, Dr. J for the Title Run Sports Podcast. That's it for today. Thank you for listening.